Hello, and welcome to Convincible. I'm your host, Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. Convincible is the podcast where one of us loves Invincible, has ranked it <laughs> extremely high on their best comics of all time list. Yes. One of us yes. is a monster. <laughs> one of us is a monster. That a guilty monster laugh. named Conquest. That guilty laugh. <laughs> <laughs> a monster named Conquest who loves nothing more than suffering of others. It's all he enjoys in life, and he also despises Invincible. It's Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Uh, uh, it's pretty good. I'm uh, I'm ready to... You know what? Last time I felt a little generous to Invincible. I was like, you know, this is <laughs> okay. pretty good. This is, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I'm getting... Maybe I'm kind of getting more into this, and then this time, all complaints. You know, I'm going to really <laughs> bring down oh, the okay. mood this time. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be all okay, fussy. perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, arbitrating our... Our fight, as always, is is the woman we've put in the middle. She is in no way um, uh, desiring to be a part of this war. She just wants to be left alone and to eat her gross little alien uh, squid chips. Just wants to enjoy those in peace. Charlotte Firo. How's it going, Charlotte? Hello. Yes, I, I am buff as always. Uh, nothing can, uh, can cut through these abs of mine. Um, and yeah, please, please leave me alone. I just want to have sex with my wife while you're sleeping on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely true. Now, today is a very special episode of Inconvincible. Okay, because I, you know, we've been going through this. We, we've had our back and forths, and we've talked through the first fifty issues of Invincible now. And Zach, I don't, I think if there's one thing we can agree on, mm. it's that not a lot of ground has been, or that not, not a lot has been accomplished. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I either don't of us. Do you feel like you've, you've gained a lot of ground in this war? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, <laughs> I think it's as I predicted, which is you will reread it and go, Oh, 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 <laughs> I, I shouldn't have put this that high. Uh, I don't know if it's much, if it's as much me convincing you as as much just, the dawning realization that the comic as the is, as the waves of time not like just a top slamming twenty of all me. time, but yes, yeah, yeah. So all right, so, so uh, you've won some small skirmishes, but I don't think it's over yet. And in no, order no, to no. aid my case, mm. I'm bringing in my invincible army. Okay, I am bringing in my army of multiversal invincibles, but opposite day with hearts of steel they're incredible people yeah, I was they're not say, all this monsters this makes you the villain of this <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> stop it we don't need to analyze it too closely uh-huh. today i'm very excited to debut brad and lisa from comic book couples counseling brad and lisa thank you for joining so much how are you both doing Hello! Uh, I'm now officially super nervous about this conversation. (laughs) Uh, uh, And I guess we'll get into why that is later, but uh, we're both thrilled to be here, right, Lisa? Yeah, yeah, I could not be more excited. I love talking Invincible, and I also love... You know, resolving conflicts between. <laughs> yes, it's right there yes. in the title. Perfect. No, I and wanted to have I you both on. Why Dave chose you specifically for this episode? That makes sense because he's putting Dave and I in couples counseling. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. This isn't. Yeah, this isn't about um, how we feel about the comic. This is just about getting Zach and I back together, <laughs> so Charlotte doesn't have to watch us fight anymore. No, uh, Brad and and Lisa, if you're not familiar with CBCC, you should. Awesome podcast. They do great interviews. They do great commentary. They do couples counseling for comic book characters, which is super fun. In an extensive series on Mark and Eve 
from the Invincible Universe. So I thought this would be a fantastic. Um, uh, I, I'm very excited to have both of you here to um, to help me win. Now, what? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start here because I, I want to go into I want to go into your corner first before we get deep in the comics. Brad and Lisa, you did an extensive couples counseling session with Mark and Eve. Now, knowing that we're only we're 70 issues in, we don't want, we don't want to spoil the rest of this, right? Because we're kind of doing it as a reading club. But through 70 issues, like, what is it about Mark and Eve that you that you like that you connect to? Um, what did you find interesting about them? What I love about Mark and Eve is once they made the resolution to make their relationship work, they were able to really come together and and support each other, even at times when they didn't see eye to eye. And I'm not saying that they don't have their problems. They do. Everyone has their problems. But I think that um, they ground each other and through bouncing their... Um, ideals off of each other, I think that they're able to come to a place of, of strong principles for the most part. Mm-hmm. What do you love about Mark and Eve? What do I love about Mark and Eve? Uh, what, I, what I like about Mark and Eve uh, is that it takes a long time for me to like Mark and Eve. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I don't want to go too much into spoilers because, uh, you know, we're... we're uh, we're doing a book club. We're doing a book club, and we're only at a certain point in their narrative. Um, yeah. But when they finally uh, become a family, uh, that's when the book becomes the most interesting to me. Mm. Um, and yeah, and that's that's really the point of the comic that we covered on Comic Book Couples Counseling. We struggled for a long time of like, well, how do we? how do we discuss Mark and Eve over just four episodes of our podcast? And uh, we were lucky enough, privileged enough to have Robert Kirkman come onto the show and program for us. And when we put that question to him, he told us, well, you have to cover the last chunk of Invincible. That's really mm. the Mark and Eve section of the book. Uh, mm. So we're, we're not quite there in, in terms of this podcast conversation according to Robert Kirkman's point of view. So uh, I think that's interesting. Um, and then, you know, that conversation that we had on the podcast was very complicated. Yeah. <laughs> we had a, a lot of emotions about them as a couple over those four episodes that we covered them on. Yeah. And uh, it was a heck of a thing to revisit them for these issues. Yeah. Like, it's interesting to see some of those themes that we started tracking in those last volumes appear in these issues in a really like salient way and almost mm. like a prescient way. Um, so, so um, I'm excited to get like, really get into it. Awesome. Yeah. Cause these are the first, the first issues where they are really together, right? They're, that has finally been like chosen basically by both of them. They're both in a place where they can commit to one another. They are head over heels falling for each other throughout these issues, right? And it and it builds to some pretty emotional crescendos. Um, all right, so before we get into the issues too, Brad, Lisa, I do just want to ask, like, what is your what is your invincible history? Like, were you reading this as it was coming out? Did you come back to it later for the podcast? Like, what's your, what's your history with the book? Uh, Lisa and I have very different relationships with the comic book. I read it uh, from the first issue on the stands, going forward and I was almost immediately in love with the book and I I was I was uh I was smitten with it and at the time 
I Perfect. totally bought into this is the greatest comic book in the universe. Uh, yeah, yeah. The label is correct. Um, and I, I look back at that Brad as a very, you know, as a, a young Brad, as a young Brad, and revisiting <laughs> it through the lens of comic book couples counseling and revisiting it. Uh, I think on the podcast, that was like my third or fourth time reading the series all the way through. And, uh, you know, uh, I had grown, I had changed, I had evolved. And so I had to reckon with a lot of like <laughs> the things in the book that uh, I, I could I find troubling. And this mm. is a heck of a section to talk about. <laughs> like, you know. um, no, that's perfect. Yeah. For a you, long time, did you find, Brad, did you find over time? Oh, I'm sorry, Lisa. No, you go. Uh, Brad, did you find over time, like when you reread this, that it was just purely like on the thematic character level stuff that, you know, you started to find some uh, like gaps in your appreciation or because to me, when I, when I'm critiquing this comic, it is, in large part, um, not large part, but a good chunk of it is the like the actual formal storytelling, the panel layout, the the story flow, the plot setup, and the plot payoff, the uh, the actual like storytelling chops of Kirkman uh, that I find issues with. That I'm still find like I'm surprised <laughs> that I'm still finding big issues with like 60, 70 issues in here. Uh, was that something that came up? Just wondering how much you're going to be on my side here. <laughs> well, I can tell you that, you know, through the lens of comic book couples counseling, you know, we're really discussing the characters yeah, and sure. the themes of the stories. And so I think what I was zeroing in on my last reread was, was those elements. As far mm. as like the formal elements of the story, um, I, I think you see a lot of growth over Invincible uh, mm -hmm. on my reread. I really appreciated its evolution in its uh, sequentialing and um, its general illustration. I mean, Otley, uh, Otley especially. Yeah. I, I uh, yeah. this, this time I actually jumped way back to like the first handful of issues he illustrated and it's night oh, yeah. and day it's yeah, crazy yeah. how much he's improved he is yeah. incredible here um definitely no qualms with otley's art and honestly i kind of feel like otley's art is key to my, to my enjoyment of this because when mm -hmm. we switch back to uh oh god dave um Corey the guy who's thank you um <laughs> I instinctively grasped for Dave. Dave, save me, Dave. <laughs> you, have, you have multiple hands to help you here. Yeah. yeah. Um, when it, we switch back to him, who's doing fine, you know, like it, it's not like I think that's terrible stuff. He did the designs, all the initial designs, which are very good, but it does lack that like detail that, uh, yeah, kind of like big epic scope of the art, I guess. Um, when we switch They're back to They're pretty different his, illustrators. His stuff. Certainly it like the the comic flattens out for me so much and i totally disengage here uh like it really that art that art really um okay this up. has been walking all over walkley yeah <laughs> sorry I feel, I, feel, I feel bad because i actually i praised <laughs> him segment. i praised him a ton initially when we first read yeah. you know his first 12 or 15 issues or whatever but then it's like shifting back i'm like this is this is too simple for what the comic is doing now with the you know big sci-fi landscapes and the, the aliens and um yeah 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 i do think walker when he comes back at the very end of the series that's the best cory walker that we get mm. and I, I like a lot about those final issues with cory walker that's all i'll say lisa your your invincible history please so my invincible history for a long time um invincible 
just existed as a shelf in my home. Like Brad has a, a shelf of all of his like big, huge, thick volumes. Yeah. And um, which can be intimidating. It is just this huge wall of pages. And so at different points in our relationship, I was like, I'm doing it. I'm tackling Invincible. And so I would just crack open that first volume and I'd be like, I'm loving this. This is so fun. And um, and I would really feel like, okay, I'm picking up steam. And then I would hit the robot and monster girl romance relationship. Mm. And I would become creeped out. <laughs> and yeah. I would slowly disengage and, and lose <laughs> momentum. Mm -hmm. And it really took comic book couples counseling and going like, okay, I have to finish Invincible finally. That really um, was the impetus for me to complete Invincible. And I think what was making me so terribly uncomfortable is that um, Robert Kirkman is really ta attacking like, what are these tropes about comics? How how would someone react how would, and he and he was attacking comics in like a completely non-satirical way like mm -hmm. even like if you compare it like to like watchmen or something like that where it's coming from like this dark gritty place he was like approaching comics in like in this extreme like this extremely tonally cognizant to like ultimate spider-man like cognizant mm -hmm. to like the mainstream comic and going like and this is how a person would really be emotionally affected and um and it's challenging as a comic book reader to read but i do think that this should be required reading for someone who reads mainstream comics just because we need to be challenged we need to go like why do i accept this trope as truth mm. am i actually considering the emotional core of a character as they're having to make these life and death death decisions and i and i i'm actually really honored that you had us in for this particular like bend in the storytelling because i really feel like mark is in this place where he is really trying to set up his principles and he's saying like i do want to put eve first i do want to put my happiness first but he also has this tremendous sense of responsibility because of not just how he was raised but um like you know i'm like I'm so tremendously strong. Like, like how can I not, um, how can I not accept the responsibility of of protecting this planet? And then also mm -hmm. seeing the repercussions of some of his early choices as well. But Lisa, yeah. yes. how did you feel about Invincible when you finally did conclude the story without spoiling the narrative? Um, <clears throat> I hated the ending. <laughs> <laughs> Lisa, can I go back to can I go back to what you were saying about like Kirkman, you know, like commenting on reflecting on superhero comics with um, maybe like a more grounded version, mm -hmm. if if that's kind of fair. Yeah, that's been that's been a big back and forth for us for sure. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, to to me, like everything you were saying, for example, and so maybe you you can you know flesh out your um, your thoughts on this more about you know what it means to have responsibility as a superhero that's spider-man and superman what it means to you know have this overwhelming power and maybe want to like have an impulse to use violence first or maybe enjoy the violence too much that's daredevil right like to me there's nothing i, I think there's literally not a moment here where i have thought 
oh well you know i've never seen this in big two you know maybe i've but seen that's it the sp- point spread but i mean that's it's it's point. not taking big two and then you know reflecting on it in a okay well what do you mean um, what do you mean well it's it's not up to the comic to to like i i don't think that the comic is reflecting on comics i think the comic is reflecting on us it's reflecting on us as fans like and going like um you know Mm. um mark grayson he has this tremendous power and he should be able to use like but he's also this individual who deserves autonomy he didn't ask for this power and like so we should just be okay with him making life and death decisions right because we believe in strength and we and that's believe what in autonomy and that's what comics have taught us but um for mark and for the planet earth it doesn't work out like most of the time and like um i i think that like we see like it's really interesting like meditating so hard on the end of invincible and then coming back to the middle and going like, how did we actually get there? And going like, oh, maybe it was always the intention to end that way. And maybe the way that I'm reading it is exactly the way that Robert Kirkman intended, with me feeling. All right, so uh, hold on, we because we have not had this. Con- yeah. We have not had a conversation yet before after the reread of these issues. Are you saying that these issues might may- heal my relationship with the end of this comic? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. We might have to have you back on for the end now because I'm, I'm very <laughs> curious for that for that particular reading. Uh, yeah, I, Zach, I hear. What you, I, l- let's get into these specific issues. Let's get into 54 to 70, and uh, and let's see kind of what comes out in that because I think this is an interesting, really interesting reading of the work. Charlotte, I would love to start with you. What did you think of? We read this is you could have done this in three trades. Uh, you could have done this in in the second compendium. So many options with Invincible, but it's issues fifty-four to seventy with some astonishing, astounding Wolfman thrown in. Charlotte, what was your um, your main takeaways from this? Yeah, um, I think personally, I think I felt my enjoyment for the book slowed down a bit, um, and like I honestly had a hot time. Like, like slow down, like a like a magical moment <laughs> where you're just like. Like, like it's everything slow yeah, and you're just having a wonderful time like that. Absolutely. No, um, <laughs> I think the main thing I'm interested in, like, as the book moves forward is Mark's kind of like, not necessarily corruption arc, but like he makes decision and is going in a direction that like you don't... Like when it happens in superhero books with the main character, it's usually quicker to get to a resolved, right? Um, and, like, then it goes back to uh, him being, like, pure hero. Here it's, like, because it's invincible, because it's detached from Marvel and DC, I actually don't know where that arc's gonna go. Is, is Mark's gonna become a bad guy? Like, I, I haven't read the ending. I haven't read what comes next. So I don't actually know what happens. Uh, so I think that knowing that the book is able to play outside of those sandboxes and, like get outside of the status quo makes me interested in that specific arc. But I think a lot of the storytelling workings of the book started getting, like, started getting tired to me. Uh, maybe, like, either I started seeing stuff I don't like that was already present, present, or, like, I don't know if it actually got worse. I think the main thing I'm thinking of is, like, some of the secondary um, storylines, especially 
I think especially Monster Girl and Robots on one hand, and then like mm-hmm. I think a lot of the Guardians of the Globe stuff because it's also with Immortal and Kate. Like I don't know why this is here because like there's no there's mm-hmm. no conflict, there's no there's like it feels like it's just here to flesh out the world, but only in a way that like oh yeah, remember those characters exist. Not in not in a way that I'm like oh yeah, those are also interesting characters, and I'm I'm excited to to see them. Um, like. I think a lot of these three uh, volumes were me la- wondering, like, why are we focusing on this? Uh, like, it's starting to it's yeah. starting to actually be too many storylines, and a lot of them feel like they could be easily cut out. Cause, like, now I don't really care about robots anymore. For example, it's like that character had his, mm. his arc, and it feels like he doesn't have anything to do here except like resolve an earlier like plot point, which is Monster Girl's like growth and aging. But in a way that, like, doesn't have... I don't know, it, it felt kind of empty to me. It felt like just resolving a pr- plot point uh, for the Wikipedia article uh, <laughs> short what? version. Can I, uh, can, can yeah, I jump ahead. in there, Charlotte? Because that, that is, like, so much how what I was feeling yeah. <clears throat> with this chunk of, like, Kirkman losing the... <clears throat> it's strange, because I think the comic still generally goes down pretty easy, but it's kind of in a, like... Like, it has all the, those running plot lines you were talking about, but the momentum and the build-up and payoff of things, I think, is so oddly skewed sometimes, in that, like, we have four or five issues after we find out that Angstrom Levy is sending these cameras and is, like, watching Mark and his family. We find that out before we started reading this chunk. And then there's, like, three, four, five issues where Mark just keeps finding cameras, and it's set up as if, like, it's a mystery, but we already know the solution, but then there's no more, like, it's not heightening the threat. It's just, like, it just keeps happening where Mark goes, like, oh, what the heck's this camera? And then he goes to try to find someone who can help him find the camera. And it's like, we know where the camera's <laughs> coming from. So, like, there's no more tension being added well, I, here. There's Zach, no... I, keep, I keep finding cameras all over my house, and I don't know where they're coming from. So if you know and you could tell me, I yeah, would it's not It's that. not tense for me to you know, watch you flail around with these cameras because I know that I set those cameras up. Yeah. So. Right. And, and, and then, like, the payoff of that happened so fast. The Angstrom Levy, that yeah. issue drove me cra- crazy. The in- Angstrom Levy finally, like, unleashes all his invincible clones on uh, on the world <laughs> because the, the devastation that that happened, like, that unleashes on the world where all the superheroes come together to fight all the invincibles from different universes happens so fast that like when you find out that the world has been destroyed it's a, like a oh oh a word like what that's that's crazy uh <laughs> i had no idea watching this that this was like worldwide devastation and not like four running superhero battles at the same time so like there there's a real strange i, I don't know like a uh, comp- expansion of boring events and then com- super compression of the really exciting stuff mm. uh, w- w- which can be you know maybe artwork driven right like drawing a war between superheroes takes a lot more i i can see otley took some time off after doing the the big war thing i think but uh oh no it was after the the conquest fight which you know well deserved because that was the artwork in that conquest fight was incredible, but um, yeah. All right, yeah. so yes, I, the pacing is fascinating. Brad, Lisa, what, what do you yeah. think all that? I think it's a really interesting observation that um, you both are feeling like the story is slowing down tremendously because as I was doing this reread, and this is technically like not my first, like this is not my second reread 
because of this section because I feel like I've made it up to this section a couple of times. <laughs> I've made it through this section a couple of times. But I do remember it taking so much longer because you don't really know how all of these disparate parts are going to fit together. But like, I find now that I'm seeing the theming tie these different stories together in retrospect, it moves way faster. And, you know, the the Angstrom Levy thing being like, we've been anticipating it for a long time. And then the camera thing is kind of like, the bomb in the trunk of the car of touch of evil, you know, it's like, it's going to blow. It's going to blow. You keep telling us it's going to blow. It's going to blow. We're waiting for it to blow. Uh, and then Angstrom Levy arrives and it's lickety split, which then just sets up the conquest fight. And like all of that was for the conquest and the conquest is the actual punctuation on all of that. Uh, and, and so like, I, I enjoy the pacing of that. But I also think a lot of like the character stuff that's happening in those sections, and and I feel like the comic is so mean spirited um, that it can also be a pretty punishing read. And I remember reading it the first time and just going like, "Well, Adam Eve is gonna get killed. Like, like I'm just waiting for Adam Eve to be killed." Um, and the agony of that tension being drawn out through the conquest thing. I used to really love, and now I'm just like, ugh. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> Say that mm. tension. I, I, I mean, it's totally subjective, right? I'm not, I'm not saying you're wrong here, but I get no tension. There's no tension to the Angstrom Levy buildup because, like, he, I feel like Kirkman is, not, for me, is not very skilled at building intrigue in ways of like we do see a glimpse that he has like rooms full of invincibles at the end of one of these issues and it's like the cliffhanger you know final page turn and to me i was looking at it and there's something about the way he reveals stuff that instead of being intriguing it's confusing where i'm like i don't i don't quite know what's going on rather than ooh, i don't know what's going on if if that makes sense like I understand there's a bunch of Invincibles gathered, but it's not like, it doesn't excite me to see what's happening next. It doesn't feel like a threat. It feels like I... Well, I mean, when part, I hand you is, when I hand you all my fan made invincible uh -huh. copies, and I'm like, "Hey, it's a, it's a multiversal room full of more invincible." Uh -huh. That is a threat, Zach. I did want you to interpret that. There's as also the threat I, that is intended. It, part of it is that overall, like he still takes these weird shortcuts with the the art that it feels like you know the, the the script got hacked up at the last second. So like we have an issue here where some people from the future come back to bring invincible. Um, to, to the future to stop Mr. Immortal. Mm -hmm. And they pull him to the future with a time machine. We have a panel of Mark and these two guys uh, riding in some, like, hover bike. Turn the page. They're in police custody, just having a conversation, like, continue. <laughs> well, okay, they're on the hover bike, and then a different Invincible shows up and grabs Mark's uh, civilian clothes and they're like oh don't worry about that turn the page now they're in police custody and they're like oh they're taking us straight to the leader of this world it, totally something missing it, it's straight I mean you know you can kind of piece it together but it is not that like um, well that's intentional I mean I that's, don't that's, think so it it's like half it's not... gag half like let's move on I don't, I, I don't think I'm very fascinated all. by the pacing in, in the ways I, that you're bothered by it I'm just I'm actually kind of like because like marveling Hick at it Hickman can do stuff like that like uh, Morrison can do stuff like that where they can like well, that's a different tone no 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 I'm not saying tonal I'm saying like they can do that like jumping around 
you know, like, you have to keep up with this. I'm not waiting for you. I, you uh-huh. don't get that with Kirkman. I don't feel like that, you know, kind of assured storytelling where it's just like... like but, like, Hickman's like Kubrick and Kirkman's like um, Michael Bay, you know? No, no, I know. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, but sure. I, I mean, but, you know, Michael Bay is very, you know... Uh, it, edits things in a very specific way right like I, i'm not talking about like the, the thematic level that they're working on i'm talking just like the pure plot mechanic uh you know story structure where like things just happen zach i just want to make sure of something with... you didn't miss the page where he gets arrested between those two things right <laughs> does that happen because maybe maybe my copy literally just yeah, was missing there's a, page. a whole page uh, after uh the other invisible from the future rise and takes his stuff there's a whole page of the three of them getting arrested uh, by future cups i was reading this on hoopla i read it on hoopla i brought it from the library and it was just entirely missing because i i went back and forth i was like what the hell it, it does still jump here? rather quickly but there is a page between those two things oh uh, okay all right well never mind disregard <laughs> that's uh, a very funny example well i think the big the big example though i think is very true which is the build to the angstrom invincible like devastation like that is tremendously quick and it almost feels out of the blue right we've had the camera lead up but then it's just like very quickly, it's like one tease that Angstrom has Invincibles, and then like then like cities are gone. The next issue, right? It just it escalates so quickly. I'm actually like into that I, because this book is spinning so many plates all the time, and I've talked about that as both feature and bug. I think it is that is the intent, right? That is the Stanley the Manly approach of of sixty Silver Age. There's a love and admiration for superhero comics of just a million plates spinning all the time and we're going to get to one. We just don't know when. And then everything escalating like that in just this oversized, we're doing it all in one issue. It's very reminiscent of the first time Angstrom Levy shows up. You know, there's this build, there's this build, there's this build. And then it's one issue of just everything hits the fan. Um, I like that a lot. I think Otley and, and FCO colors are a huge, huge part of this right now. Yeah, like this book really looks good. so good. Yeah. Um, it's it, it, they are able to sell an event issue in a way that I don't think they were previously. Um, they even under, they begin to understand just layouts and structure of you know just using the page differently, right? These double page spreads with the columns on the sides as we're going through all the different levels of devastation, and then like Brad said. All that's just one issue, and then all that is, it's kind of its own setup, right? It feels like an event, but really it's just setting up Conquest. And then getting to the next thing, like, I like that there's this, it's like a Pixie song. It's like, slow, 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 boom, chorus. Like, right? Like, classic, classic Doolittle. Um, so it's, I, I really appreciate that pacing here. This volume, Zach, this is the point where I started reading Invincible, uh, as like in trades like as it was coming out i realized mm-hmm. yeah um like i went to check them out for my library and, and my kindle was like you already own this and i was like no kidding <laughs> i don't remember that <laughs> yeah um but it, apparently it's the point where i started reading them in trades i i actually think this is a huge level up moment for invincible um most of that is the visual identity of it yeah i will admit it, most it of that really is the visual really identity. helps yeah yeah um but but the pacing piece of it i actually was like very into and i like I kind of like the chaos of Kirkman, where it's just like, you don't know when it's going to hit. He's not, it's not like, like he's showing his hand in terms of like the dramatic irony of we know who's going to do it, but you don't know when stuff's going to hit and how hard it's going to hit. And I kind of love that about Invincible. It's unpredictable in that way. 
don't know. I mean, what do y'all think? To me, like, it's, I feel like Kirkman's priority is all in service to the character and the character realizing, regardless of what his principles are, to kill or to not kill, to prioritize family or to prioritize the, um, you know, continued um, existence of the human race. Like, there's no principle that he can adhere to that will guarantee a good outcome. So I love that you started this conversation with issue number 54, with Mark going into the future and seeing future immortal, because like this whole chunk is about consequences and how much autonomy do we actually have over how things are going to turn out. So he goes to the future, he sees future immortal and future, future immortal has become this tyrannical monster who just wants to die. And, um, and uh, something that um, Immortal says is like, um, uh, something that Immortal realizes is like, I can't take care of a world that I don't care about. And I think that that leads to um, Mark returning to his date and going like, okay, I need to foster my relationship with Eve because Eve is going to be a tether to the world that I care about. And, and I have to maintain this idea of caring. And then we go directly into the Angstrom, Angstrom Levy storyline where he had this principle, I don't kill. And that comes and that bites him in the ass, right? And then he has conquest whom he believes he killed. He carries the guilt of killing, but he is also like not dead. So like to me, it's like um, he's trying to establish, I want to be a person who cares, but I also want to be a person who kills because a person who kills can protect what they care about. But just because I kill someone doesn't mean that I can guarantee a good outcome. Like all of this, all of this kind of like everything's random, it's all over the place, is all to, in service to Mark realizing that that um, that things are out of his control, and that and that I feel like is something that Mark never grapples with and never gets over. You know, the idea of like, oh, if I just find the um, the equation of bad guy. Uh, this bad means equal kill, but like medium bad means just maim, and then yeah. low bad, yeah. you mean you just turn them over to the guardians of the globe or something. Like, so, but like, I feel like this is something that I couldn't realize through a first read and without really considering what is Kirkman actually trying to say. I mean, all, all that stuff is certainly there. I think, I think like it, it is of interest to me. I just, it's one of these things where I've just seen it. Like, I feel like I've seen this in big two comics. I've seen it. Charlotte, were you thinking of strong female protagonists yeah, during sure, this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, A comic that we read for extra issues, which grapples with this exact thing so much better than any other superhero comic I've ever seen of, like, you know, wielding your power over somebody else, you know, like... Uh, Is that the, the Molly Oster it, tag? Yeah. Yeah. We on extra issues? Yeah. Yeah. Re- really cool, cool stuff about, you know, like, what right do you have to impose your will you know, and make these decisions over somebody else, um, you know, for, like, for a greater good. There's a nuance. I, I feel like 
I'm not communicating well. Like, you're not Mark. Like, we are not Mark. We are the readers who are supposed to be rooting for Mark. And Mark is becoming a terrible person. He's making terrible decisions. And do, you, do you feel that, though? Because I, I, don't, I don't get that. I don't get, like, nothing that Mark does here. I'm like, oh, my God. He just crossed, like, a ter like you know he, he is said he's setting up lines and then he's crossing them himself like i sure. don't know how you feel about the preciousness of life like <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> okay. like right. maybe wow. like life is not precious to you but i would love to believe <laughs> you know very I, personal okay like um i like i am a like i'm a pacifist i'm an extreme pacifist and um like, but, and, but this, and, co and, this comic is so it like reveling in the violence. You can't like right. level this kind of like serious, you know, like this is a serious meditation on violence where like half the thrill of this comic is like, look how cool it is when someone's head explodes like that. You know, the, the moral universe of this comic is one in which the it, it is thrilling us with the violence. And I don't think right. it's trying to have us choke on that violence. Like, I think it's supposed to be fun a lot of the time. I think that it, I think that it's um, more nuanced. Like I think, like the violence is meant to be fun, and we're meant to question it. And like that's part of what comics are about in general. Is like um, comics as a medium is a meditation in extremity. Like like you know, uh, like I, I wish I was strong. What if I was extraordinarily strong? Oh man, if I was extraordinarily strong, I could make all of these decisions that would keep me safe and the people that I love safe. Oh no, there are consequences to that. Like that's what, but, and I'm not saying that's just invincible. I'm saying that's every single comic. And I think that it's something that we meditate on as a culture because it is something that we are reckoning with. Like, so to me, I go like, you know, it, like it's up to you to engage with the nuance of any story. And like, the way that you read Invincible is going to be different than the way that I read Invincible is going to be the way that different than the way that Dave reads Invincible. But like, to me, I think that what Kirkman is doing is really challenging the reader to continue to love Mark. And then by maintaining that love of Mark, having us really grapple with what are our principles about autonomy, strength, violence, weakness, all of those things. When you get done listening to this episode, uh, listener out there, please listen to our last episode on Invincible and hear what Lisa says in that episode versus what she's saying right now. <laughs> I contain I multitudes as does Invincible. Well, and, and the right to, and the right to uh, you know, evolve a perspective, right? Like it can, yeah, it's going to change yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think we all do that. Um, I think... You're both raising interesting questions, especially about Zach's views on the sanctity of life. Um, I think that's something we're going to need to interrogate more thoroughly as we progress. Nah, let's not, let's not look at that. No, I'm, I'm not worried about that. Um, okay, I, I think this is all a very good framing, um, but I think to Zach's point, this is definitely a volume where the violence has always been a huge part of Invincible and, and a selling point. This to me, I think because the visual identity becomes so cohesive and Otley and FCO are so good, they are also able to, like, just overkill the violence on this, you know? Like, like the blood and the guts and the extremity of it um, it's like, escalates. It goes, it goes, like, way past, like, a Garth Ennis book sometimes. I'm like, the pre yeah. preacher never went this far. Like, 
<laughs> and know. that is something that I struggle with with Invincible because I in the first handful of trades, you know, I was kind of like this. This would be a pretty good like like YA book. They still won't say the F. <laughs> like, they do the like oh. F- they, yeah, here. which actually like, I, I like that gag with with Cecil. No, it works I, fine, but it's just it's underlines that it's like they still won't swear in this repeat, book. But like, well, there's no nudity. Sex is, yeah, is treated as, joke as a of very cutting um, away taboo. From, uh, from uh, Mark and Eve having sex, like they already did that. They love that one joke in the exact same way by cutting. And say like this Alan. is a family comic after like, all. Yeah, but this yeah. Omni Man is grossed out by listening to to people. Yeah, it's have a sex. very teenage. You know, so it's like there's a very sexual violence. We we also well I don't know I think you could argue that that yeah, is sure. also kind of teenage. Uh, there mm. we also are missing the most important key plot point in this whole thing, which is Adam Eve does reconstitute oh. her own body after being killed, and she does make her boobs bigger. <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe my eyes <laughs> that Kirkman took this moment, this pretty serious emotional moment uh, of Eve, you know, like. Mark and Eve's, like, Mark's devastation, uh, our relief at seeing, you know, Eve come back to life, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, that that horrible death. I mean, he, like, Conquest, you know, punches half her face off. We get to see her, like, mutilated corpse. It's really horrible. And then to, like, undercut it with that goddamn, did you make your boobs bigger joke? Holy, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Uh, just wild. Uh, Brad and Lisa. also <laughs> pregnant, okay. though. Right, so that does make your boobs bigger. <laughs> but, no, I'm sure, but I... <laughs> if, if I have... If, I know, that's not what's happening. But I'm just putting that out there. Like, if there is something that I that really rubs me the wrong way, it is the ongoing objectification of Eve and Eve's relationship with her own body. I, I feel like that's something that um, Kirkman is taking, like, a wild stab at and, like, just ultimately, like, failing... <laughs> And what it feels like to have a woman's body or to be a woman and have that kind of really, you know, really contentious relationship with your form. You know what I mean? Like, um, I I still think she doesn't also know he doesn't know what to do with her. I still like besides in her relationship to Mark, because like even when she shows up to help conquest, she like burst out. Well, one. She gets hurt off panel during the mm-hmm. invasion. Like, Mark rushes off like, I need help. She's hurt. And I'm like, I kept flipping back. Unless I, I was missing I was another page. I was confused by that, actually. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't missing a page again. Yeah. Um, and then she's in the hospital <laughs> when Conquest happens. And uh, she's like, I have to go help Mark. And she has this long conversation with Cecil about, like, what she can go do. And then she shows up. And it's incredibly unclear what she's, like, there for. Right, like he doesn't give her the ability to like particularly help. She, he doesn't a- allow her to, you know, like even look like there's a moment of her being like the cavalry coming to rescue. Like she shows right. up and immediately gets skewered by him, and it and, and it doesn't seem like some like I can't tell what he's doing with this. Is she supposed to be like you know naive and doesn't understand that she shouldn't be there? It's uh, she just shows the, up it's selflessly to help Mark. Or? It's not fridging, but it's mini fridging. Yeah, right. It's like a college dorm room mini fridge. I, I, I mean, mean the, like... the way it played out would <laughs> maybe work for me, because especially you know with the fact that it kind of unlocks her like dormant powers and she isn't ultimately killed here. But like maybe it could function for me if her showing up at least gave us a moment of like, oh, like Eve's here to like help the fight, right? Like Eve's which here you, to which like. We... Bolster- 
I, I understand her to be capable of doing that, you know, through I, this. I don't know. Who knows? Where, like, it's maybe I'm thinking of the show. Maybe I'm thinking of the show. Yeah, when it's I super unclear to me, like what, what she can still do besides like rearrange molecules, but like how that functions as a superhero is. Yeah. Has, is she yet to be revealed. She stronger throughout, but her being like sidelined um, is a continuous thing through this this uh this comic and it it, it is i it is egregious i it, so to, to you know maybe pivot into some stuff i do like i do i do like their relationship being built here i like some of their back and forth i like the like give and take between the two of them the like discussions of jealousy the discussions of like how much time they're willing to commit to each other the they go to explodes rex explodes gets a very cool hero's death here where he blows up his own skeleton good job rex yeah um, and uh <laughs> and they go to his funeral and, and i do like i like the conversation with eve talking about you know like is this weird for you to say you know that he was my first love etc and him and her and mark like coming together on that and like having this open conversation i think all that was uh all, the, all that works pretty well like i actually do generally like um, you sound the most choked they... up about Rexplode than I, I, than I, heard you, <laughs> I think in our five years of podcasting. I've never, I've never heard your voice crack like that before. That's not true. It's every week my voice cracks. <laughs> um, and then the other thing, I mean, you know, we, we've been talking around it a bunch. The Conquest stuff, I think, is extremely compelling uh, in as much as I feel like there's a real threat, like in a way that this comic has only hit maybe two other times. I think that first Angstrom Levy appearance and the, uh, the initial dad reveal mm-hmm. uh with nolan like revealing himself in that fight here that that conquest stuff and it, it is you know it's all otley's art like otley just sells the the danger of conquest and the violence of that guy um and like mark's you know extremely tenuous grasp on life here right like he is barely hanging on uh i think that is very uh, compelling and just a pure like i don't want this guy to die uh, i'm worried about my you know I think it's the here. first time we see Mark win a fight too with any of the Viltrumites. Mm, um, mm. Typically, yeah, he has true, gotten yeah. his butt absolutely whooped, and I think that that's where I Lisa's reading here of like Mark's progression. It's kind of interesting because it's like we're we're as comics as superhero comics fans, we are trained to root for him to win all these fights, right? And certainly it's not the first time we've ever seen a good guy lose right but it's like he loses all the time (laughs) and he loses really (laughs) badly like constantly and it is interesting to me that the first time he wins one of these is like just like though it's like everything around him is just (laughs) like devastation like like the cities are destroyed um, it's just the bloodiest, grossest fight. He is literally headbutting this man's face into pulp uh, while his, his the love of his life is, he thinks, dead as far as, as far as he knows and as far as we know as readers. Like, it is not... I know what you're saying, Zach, in terms of, like, there's definitely a have-your-cake-and-eat-it-too of the thrill-a-minute of violence and who this comic is marketed to. Um, but it's also, like everything about it is gross. <laughs> like, so as we're, as we're cheering for him, it is also kind of like his grossest moment. Charlotte, I want to throw it to you. You've been quiet for a minute. Uh, let's, I want to hear your thoughts on conquest and, and the Viltrum. Yeah, that's, I mean, that issue is definitely the one that stands out for, I think, I think Zach is right in citing Omni-Man, dad reveal, um, Angstrom Levy, Angstrom Levy initial issues. And this as like the big three huge moments, uh, that happen, uh, throughout the series. 
and that are like very memorable. I think it's also memorable because for once the issue doesn't keep cutting to other stuff. Um, so like it yeah. is given the full weight and space to to develop and and like devolve into a worse and worse situation. Um, I just like I don't know. He's a he's a fun villain. I, I don't know if fun is the right word. But, like he's fun in how horrible without any limit he is. Um, mm-hmm. While uh, while having that being fully based in what we know about Viltrum and like how that works, um, and it's it is like Inv- Invincible gets his ass kicked by every actual threat. Like he rarely wins a battle unless it's like yeah random villain of the week. Um, it's like yeah that's it. Yeah, it's one of the scenes and one of the fights that had the most weight to me. Where I was like, oh, I- I'm having the time to fully engage with this, to fully like, yeah, that, 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 like, that pacing worked for me best. Um, and I think especially after the, the Multiverse Invincible thing, where I'm like, I get retroactively how it works as setting up the Conquest fight. I still think throughout that, I'm like, this is happening really quickly. I'm not having time to to reckon with what's actually gonna like. I'm seeing the world explode, but it's happening so fast. And I'm like, okay, this is gonna be walked back. Mm. Like, this isn't given the weight it deserves. It's kind of like just so that he can say it later, yeah. right? Like it, it it's just so that they can talk about it as a like a, a plot point uh, to be used rather than like something that we feel. The, Which the way part? That, the world being destroyed? The world being destroyed. About? Yeah. Like it both happens so quickly and then is like put back to rights so quickly that it's less like, well, is it something it's not that we back. feel? I mean, it's walked back in that, like the world, they talk about it a lot later, but like half an issue later, like, you know, Manhattan has been rebuilt. Right. Like, uh, so, you know, it's not like this is before and after like 10 issues later, you know, people bring this up, but it's not like, it's impacting the the day to day existence of people anymore. It's not mm. like you know we're in a post apocalypse now. It's brought up later, and I think that it does address that it happened too quickly, and like the superheroes came in and fixed New York, and instead of allowing normies to get the job security of the rebuild, you know, <laughs> yeah, the dinosaurs says all dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah, and so there is a consequence. There's a consequence even to putting things back like i don't know you you didn't read that as just like a gag though i mean like i didn't i I can i can see what you're saying there's nothing funny about dinosaurs (laughs) a dinosaur being like funny about dinosaurs and there is something funny about the truth yeah he speaks truth brad brad you're you're the longest term invincible fan here is there a single better character in invincible than dinosaurs he looks real cool (laughs) (laughs) i mean i yeah i am probably no, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's it's funny to reflect on the many times that I've read Invincible now, and like the most into the comic I ever was was when I was reading it month to month, and you would get these cliffhangers, and the time, like the, like those thirty days and sometimes sixty days between issues, like would do a lot of the work of mm-hmm. of. of cleaning up, I think, some of the problems that Zach and Charlotte are feeling, uh, mm. where it never felt quick to me when you were reading it month to month. It felt agonizingly slow. Yeah, I can see that. Um, hmm. and, and whereas, you know, rereading it, um, you're like, oh, okay. That, like Lisa said, like the first time she read it, she thought it was like... Uh, several a, issues. Several issues. And then you read it and you're like, oh, it's barely one issue, you know? Um, 
But you, but it's because you have that feeling of I'm like trying to claw through this comic to get to the point, which I think is the hardest. You yeah. Know, like the first read of any comic is really, really hard because you don't know what the point is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't, and and uh, it's interesting. You know, I'm like I'm the most fascinated, fascinating thing about this conversation is me listening to Lisa right now, uh, because of where we went in our show and where she left off the comic and where she is now and how I feel like this is where I was on my second reread of Invincible. And I'm curious if Lisa then does another reread, if she then reevaluates differently. About yeah. It. I'm just... But like the ending for you has completely reworked your thoughts about these sequences. It's making me question like, uh, like I-, I think like, you know, both, both Charlotte and Zach are are going like, what what of what Kirkman is doing intentional? You know, like is this mm. spasmodic yeah. storytelling? Um, in like is is this what he means to do, or is it because of some kind of lack of s- storytelling prowess? And like when I was doing my first read through, I had this expectation of what the story, how the story was going to end, and you know. Uh, one of my life tenants is like expectation is the enemy of a good time. <laughs> if you think you know how something's going to go and it doesn't go that way, there's a good chance you're going to be disappointed. And so I had this expectation for what I thought Kirkman was trying to say with Invincible. And so when I hit that end and I go like, oh, well, that that thing didn't happen. Like this other thing happened and I'm not satisfied. And now I'm going back and I was like, oh, my God, what if dissatisfaction was kind of the point? <laughs> you know that because, is that but, is my best argument for but, Zach but having a bad familiar, time. I, a I know. I mean, feeling to a comic yeah, book fan yeah, yeah. to finish a long run and go like, what the? But hell? there are things in Invincible Lisa where Kirkman swings and misses. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah. There's... And that takes me back to like um, you guys's first, um, your first episode of Convincible and saying like, image is about big swings. You know what I mean? And I really feel like Invincible was a was like a big swing. And the beautiful thing about big swings is they can they can miss and it can be catastrophic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like you I like you do I do feel like uh Kirkman is always on the razor's edge of failing with Invincible. And it's really perilous hmm. as a reader to read. That's interesting. What? I, what? So you can all I, had can the, I jump in just to yeah yeah that, please? Or, I, I have a question. Lisa's point done. about expectations. Yeah, I mean my expectations for like where this story is going is I, I don't have much because I'm not particularly like emotionally invested in like, like the, the idea of like Mark as someone that I'm like rooting for. So when he falls off the like righteous path, that I'm like no Mark like be careful you know you're, you're going down a dangerous path like that's not there for me necessarily because he's not someone that i'm strongly like convinced is like a great guy you know yeah. like he so i don't have this expectation of like that he is so going you're to like immortal in issue 54 where you're like this is a yeah. world i don't care about so we might as well just burn it to the ground because just I'm kill me someone please <laughs> yes please someone pull off my head um, but the the expectation aspect that you're mentioning it, it for uh, reading this comic certainly the my expectations of how this comic is talked about uh, this show wouldn't exist if this comic was talked about as like yeah you know Inf- Invincible comics like a pretty good superhero comic you should check it out sometime versus like 
this is one of the top 10 must read foundational superhero comic works where especially now that i've read a lot of like big two superhero work i'm like well i think like this bit you know batman does this better superman this run of this does this aspect better maybe this is a pastiche of all those things combined Right. But that expectation of walking into this, certainly, like, because, again, you know, I keep saying, like, this is, like, the most 7 out of 10 comic that exists for me. Like, it is just, like, very decent. <laughs> pretty, seven pretty. Seven is great, though. <laughs> yeah, seven's yeah, fine. That's not bad. But, like, a 7 out of 10 does not belong in, like, you know, the top 10 of all time. zero of something or seven of something. But what's interesting, though, is when I was reading it month to month, I was definitely in the camp of, like, okay, well, the greatest comics of all time, like, Invincible is there. I was that guy. Yeah. And I would definitely, like, it's nowhere near, like, one of my favorite comics now. Me neither. But I do think it's interesting how it did have the ability to uh grip me and turn me into uh, a zealot or a missionary for this book mm-hmm. and i'm fascinated by how audiences of the cartoon now are becoming that of the yeah. animated series and yeah. i'm curious to see how their journey goes of course that'll be determined also how closely the show sticks to the overall narrative of invincible and already they're making some pretty big divergence yeah, we we talked about the show last episode, and it does seem to be fixing a lot of the critiques that we've had of it, which I have found interesting. Right? We're it seems to, to be uh, trying to. It's it's try it's it's at least addressing trying the to elephants, right? Yeah. Um, like there's a there's a like one of my biggest critiques of these issues, and we don't have to like dive into it necessarily, but like there's there's a sequence of making Amber a victim of domestic yeah. abuse. Right. Ooh, boy. Oh boy! Oh, it's we, I really forgot about that. Oh my god! And it's it's like I mean, like listen, like. Otley's art sells it, but it's also genuinely hard to look at, yeah. I think. And, it, and um, the resolution is insane. And it's, it's, it's mostly, so it's about Mark, right? It's, it's all about Mark and, and his note questioning. Like, it ends on a, on a dark know. note of her going back to, to the guy. But like, yeah, it really feels dark. like it's yes. understanding of, well, this is going to happen again. But also, I wouldn't be surprised if the comic never goes yeah. back to it. Which is like yeah. a, a strange world decision. Like, I mean, I, I wouldn't understand uh, it in a way of like... Uh, being more tragic because we don't go back to it, but like here it feels more like yeah we're not interested in that. So it was just like one thing to add on to to what's happening with Mark, but like oh no that's horrifying and it's horrifying for her specifically. Um, and it feels like no she's just say, not I... dating Mark anymore. It's like <laughs> well she's not a character anymore, so who cares? Uh, that's like ooh, just boy. looking her up on uh, Wiki fandom, and this is her oh last my appearance. God, that's in- that's insane. So <laughs> we do never that's see her again. Absolutely, <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. See, that's, that's bad, but I'm, I'm also like, oh, it's not? She does show up in, in the... She must show up again. There's, there's really? like seventy oh, issues okay. to go. <laughs> is yeah. It, okay. it, is yeah. it in a beam of sunlight and we are led to believe that she is fine? <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I do no I spoilers. see that. They, yeah, yeah. Um, see, on one hand, I'm almost like, well, it'd be better if they never went back. Cause <laughs> that's one yeah. thing that I think, if, if I'm going to allow critiques of this, it's like <laughs> try, trying to address like a very serious thing, like domestic abuse. Like this comic is yeah. not equipped for that. Right. Um, I don't think it has the tone, the command, frankly, even the interest, the way it's handled here, to uh, to address that appropriately. And I think that's something that's going to keep coming up because I think when when Kirkman gets issues focused, we run into we run into trouble. Okay, speaking of Kirkman, obviously the author here, we cannot say enough good things about Ali. Kirkman's more controversial, I think, in our views. 
Lisa, Brad, I'm very curious. You had the chance to interview Robert Kirkman. You talked about how he kind of helped you structure your own focus. What stands out to you from that conversation with like kind of his view and where he's at with Invincible based on like jumping back into the middle? Like, is there anything reading this where you were like, oh, yeah, Kirkman said X and that like resonates now? I, you know, like our first question to him was like, well, you got to program our podcast. Where do we go? And it kind of threw him off his game a little bit, which was enjoyable. Uh, and, and I think the way I interpret it, and Lisa, correct me if you feel differently, um, but I got the impression that he was not necessarily super satisfied with the path that the relationship began on right. between Adam or between Mark and Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and he didn't begin to feel comfortable with them until he was wrapping things up. And I, the impression I got from that whole chat was that this was a tremendous education in comics making, uh, doing this mm. book and doing walking dead. And he feels a little, um, Uh, maybe uncomfortable is like too strong of a word, but to go back and talk about the earlier moments from these books. And he Hmm. talks about like, um, it's hard to talk about it without spoilers. Um, But this idea of like, uh, of, mm, can I say it? Like of becoming more of a family man. And, and we can, we can spoil that. That's okay. So the, the existence of Tara and the way that the existence of focuses i'm assuming that's like the unborn that's a, child right don't don't it's, just Zach, close uh, earmuffs a, earmuffs Zach, you haven't heard uh, yeah i mean uh, we, we got the pregnancy uh you know right, reveal sure. yeah yeah yeah, but, I, like, I, I, yeah be, be careful lisa be careful but, like the way that becoming a parent like focuses your principles because now you're no longer thinking of just yourself, which Mark is doing all of the time. He's thinking of just mm-hmm. himself. He thinks that he's thinking about Eve, but he's only thinking about Eve in relationship to himself and his own happiness. Yeah, right. So like, so that's like, I think that Kirkman wanted us to start from Mark in a place of greater clarity. Um, and like, to me, I think like what you're saying about like, this book doesn't have the, um, doesn't have the command of tone to to um, kind of address these darker issues that they're trying to. He's trying to create this metaphorical parallel, um, and he's he's aware of that, and he's aware of it, and he's a little bit like looking back, like. But he, he but he still mm. did it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like he's <laughs> right. trying stuff. He's really trying stuff, and like, and there is a lot of tripping over your own shoelaces. But I like. I just can't yeah. help but like, you know, like he's failing in in trying to do something really. Yeah. He's, but there's a beauty perilous. in the attempt. There's, that's what I'm right? trying to say. Like, there's a beauty in the it's attempt. It's when you read, you know, the Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, Green Lantern, Green Arrow comics. You're like, mm-hmm. good try, fellas. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Sometimes yeah. I do. I appreciate the swing. Right. I appreciate that you took the swing. Even if you whiffed so badly, <laughs> you did put yourself yeah, I out feel, there. I feel that a bit. With, um, uh, I don't know. There's a line. I do feel that a bit with the electricity guy, like the two issues of the guy with his wife and child, and like it feels like the, mm. he's trying to do a like realistic thing of the consequences of the Omniman fight and like the destruction and people wanting to avenge uh, their close one and people being angry at Mark for that. But like those two issues don't. Uh, the fact that like. 
Oh, th this would have always gone that way, and he's just an insane man that kills his his wife and child in this. Yeah, I I just I wish he was more convincing, yeah, right? Like, like I that wish could have you, been an interesting. You looked at that and said that like, could have been an interesting thing yeah, he's kind of right. But, like, like the execution is very lacking to me. Uh, it goes way too quickly, and is like, yeah, this this feels like an anecdote. This doesn't feel like it's that relevant. Uh, which is disappointing. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I, I can see the attempt. Just and maybe, maybe like the character still around. Oh. Maybe it becomes something at some point. But like, in those specific two issues, I'm like, this interesting idea, but like bad execution or like uninteresting execution. Mm -hmm. Almost everything we've been talking about uh, here, with like in in discussion to like how superheroes discuss power and responsibility. Uh, yeah, you got to go read Strong Freedom or Protagonist if you haven't. The I'm I'm a hundred percent going to read that after this. It, I, it I does all these conversations so well and makes you feel like yeah, that's a really hard choice. It gets the stakes just right. I think um, you know for, well, for and I actually thought of when Lisa was talking about I think early on a really interesting framing of of Invincible in terms of like how how much influence can these types of characters even have on the world and kind of the Kirkman's attempt to sort of wrestle with like, well, what, what does an invincible infused world even look like? I'm even thinking of like, um, Claire North's, uh, the first 15 lives of, of Harry August, which of course I only read because of house of X number two, <laughs> <I know. laughs> um, but like the, the idea of someone who has like lived these lives and even knows what's coming and and like then, to, but like actually getting into sort of the mechanics then of like, well, how do you actually shape the future of a world in the positive way? And obviously, Invincible has none of those gifts, but Angstrom kind of does. And obviously, you see things go so awry for him. I, I that's an interesting like ten thousand foot view. I mean, kinda, you, also Miracle Man, right? We we talked about that. Oh yeah, that's extra about issues, right? Example. Which you know does the uh, like. I just wanted to say that I read a book without pictures, Zach. So just <laughs> sorry, sorry, credit sorry. for that. <laughs> I, I mean, these are also, you know, strong favorite protagonist is not trying to be uh, a fun week to week, you know, like also just have a good Marvel inspired superhero romp. Mm -hmm. Miracle Man, you know, is not leaning into this like pulpy roots of it. You know, like th these are interested in different things. So it's they're not totally fair comparisons. But on these these yeah. specific aspects, it feels hard not to go like, oh, I've seen this. I've seen this over there. Like. Stories yeah. are also not mutually exclusive, you know, like you can have two two books talk about the same topic. And it, like to me, I don't take the message of like, oh, I don't have to read this book because I've read this book and it has the exact same. Yeah, message. no, no, of course not. That's that, yeah, that, that's definitely well, I, not. I, I think you do keep coming back to those act like to like, oh, I've seen this and I've seen it better elsewhere. Well, I mean, and it, I think it, it with is Invincible, a... it is like it is that ultimate amalgamation of kind of everything yeah. that that is Kirkman's like he's working in superhero genre, DNA, right? like, you know? It, no, I know, it, but I'm saying it's like yeah. it's one it's one creative team's like superhero history. Right, like all mashed into this one thing, um, so it's their version of it. So I, I think you're right on certain elements. I think where I have been trying to push though is, yes, you might see individual elements better, but you won't see all of the elements in one place quite the same way as yeah. you do in Invincible, which I think is kind of the the hook for me. Right, it's just the ambition of being like. We're not just doing a Superman pastiche. We're not just doing a Superman meets Spider-Man pastiche. We're doing the superhero history pastiche. It's everything all at once. It's where you get the Alan, the Alien, and Omni-Man Ultimate Team-Up, which we haven't talked about, right? But you got big Legion of Superheroes energy 
you know, with that and their war against the Viltrumites, you know, you get a little Green Lantern mixed in. Um, with Dinosaurus, you finally have Jack Kirby's Devil Dinosaur, which we've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so he looks really cool. Yeah, I just yeah. There's a lot. There's just there's a lot, and I think this is to me this is the sequence of the the work where I stopped being interested in the spinning plates. Like every like if we cut to those dudes with the starfish on their heads oh, yeah. one more time, oh, yeah. I'm out. Oh, my God. I'm gonna throw my tablet at the wall. <laughs> but yeah. but I finally do get genuinely invested in Mark as a character, yeah. which we've talked about Mark Grayson being pretty boring, I think, to this point. Um, I like the relationship with Eve. I think that's a big part of, you know, I want to see Eve develop more thoroughly. Um, and and I get more invested now in sort of the larger center of what is this book about, and it's all this Viltrumite war stuff, right? Um, I feel like it gets a clearer core from this point, and I don't really remember exactly how it plays out, but I feel like it becomes less necessary to have 75 subplots all the time. He, um, I he, don't know if they'll actually do that. He sets up a potential like endgame by Nolan revealing that there's only 50 Viltrumites in the entire Empire, yeah. which feels somewhat necessary so that you can stop going, well, this is an unstoppable threat that they'll never be able to deal with an entire like universe or an entire empire of these guys uh versus 50 although it does seem a little <laughs> seem like a little bit of a cop out to me it does feel like you know like i don't know uh well they're Sauron. Sauron is so strong you know no i know but the, you know to be set 65 issues in and then be like yeah there's only 50 of them though it's it's just like finding out like yeah, if you open up the gates of Mordor, like he's got like four hundred guys back there. It's not like really that big of a deal. <laughs> we only ever see Sauron's eye. The rest of him. That's might be a exactly. Big that's we a good know. point. Yeah, it, it's fine. I mean, it, it almost feels necessary, right, to make it so that there's some kind of feasible stakes for, um, you know, the Viltrumites to be a, a, a threat that could be potentially worked against. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I, I think it it sets up a path forward. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. Think and and you know, that. like I like I said, you were saying, you know. This is a work of many things in one. I, I do get that, right? That I'm citing other, what I think are better works, but like I said, those are also not doing the same thing Invincible is. Neither of those is a personal soap opera, a melodrama. Neither of those is interested in having fun with dipping its toes into like all the genre tropes and homages to, you know, Kirby. It, neither of those are, vi- I mean, <clears throat> especially strong female protagonists, the visuals there are as, you know, functional as possible sure you, you don't read that for the the thrill of the designs and the the fun you know superhero stuff so no of course i mean sure you know it's, it's a different thing okay charlotte any big takeaways that we missed that we haven't talked about <laughs> one thing do you guys realize that like uh invincible's big eye on his costume is the image logo is it, ju- is it just me that didn't realize that until now? <laughs> I, I didn't realize that. No. I did not. I got it took me those <laughs> issues to like that. <laughs> Whoa, totally is. That's crazy. Yeah. Which, like, made me go back to, well, was that always the logo? Or did, like, wait, yeah, that was always the logo. That was the logo before Invincible. Yeah. Um, that is what the what the long con by Kirkman to get yeah. himself uh, a, a, you know, a cushy role. Part of the meta message. Yeah, there is a bit of like, no, this is... <laughs> we have not done the Image Invincible reading yet, yeah. We do get the whole Image Universe crossover yeah. here, too. You know, you get yeah. Savage Dragon, you get all Kirkman stuff, right? They, you get Spawn. Spawn's getting his butt whooped. Can, can I actually Pit. say, 
Oh, sorry, Brad, please go on. No, I'm just saying, I love Pitt. There's like that one long panel of Pitt ripping a dude in half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, is that who that guy? Yeah. Um, that actually, I, I generally don't mind when he just kind of dips his toes in all these other characters and has fun with, you know, uh, the, the crossover stuff. During the Invincible invasion here, it actually really irked me because it did vacuum out the stakes of it a little bit like it, it contributed to that feeling of like oh the world is destroyed that's crazy i had no idea that was coming because previous to that it does feel like you know like we're seeing spawn fight one of them right which does not make me say oh god the threat to civilians here is you know like th- think of the the lives being lost because we're seeing you know battle beasts but i don't it know it is metal as hell though it is cool <laughs> but th- that guy i don't know who that pale guy is the one who like rips one of the invincibles in half um yeah, no, all that's cool and fun, but again, it does, like, they're working across purposes to one another. I think, like, selling the destruction and the actual loss of life here doesn't work when you're also trying to be like, ah, oh, check it out, it's one of my faves. Like, I love that guy. Check out our, our brand awareness. But, uh, can I say yeah. Battle Beast? <laughs> Battle Beast is so cool. He's got Battle such Beast a good design. I don't care about the character. I don't think, I don't even really remember Just what the character is. name and design that sometimes design can is, be enough. That design is so good. S- yeah. Speaking of Spawn, yeah. Um, okay, all right. I, I think one other thing that I wrote down here is I did think it got comically repetitive how many issues end with Mark essentially saying, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> like That happens like four or five times in different circumstances. And I was like, all right, we can only play that beat so many times here. Um, I did also like the detail... And this, this to me is a very good, like, um, a good sort of summary of, like, kind of Invincible's tone in some of the missteps is Eve sets up Mark and themselves as heroes for hire for the prison industrial complex <laughs> just because they're very horny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like that, is, that is the whole reason is to get money so they can, they can rent a space and have sex all the time. It's um, such a it, weird angle to go it's on. It's a weird beat. It's a, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very, it's very super comics, right? It's yeah, very super sure, comics, right? Sure, we just yeah. what do you do with the bad guys? You put them in prison, right? You, there's no commentary on that. There's no thinking behind it. Well, Mark Mark sometimes um, bucks that trend, you know? Mark as a he, as he a, can. He he does that with the uh the werewolf guy, right? Like he's very he brings him to Cecil and he's like, "You're not going to arrest him. You're going to listen to him." <laughs> sure. Uh, sure. Yeah. I do like when he actually listens to yeah. people instead of watching yeah, yeah, them. There was also a bit All right, Brad Lisa. Eve, like oh, yeah. this, the prison stuff, and like Eve's earlier um, story. There's a lot of like Eve trying to make superheroing an actual good thing for the world and help people in other ways than just fighting supervillains. But that mm-hmm. never actually gets picked up, right? Like that's just one thing that happens, and then Eve is left to to the corner of the story. Like that storyline isn't picked back up. So like the prison storyline, we get back to it like. I don't even know. Ten issues later, and the prison and the the, yeah. the head of the prison is like, well, you haven't done anything for us yet. Like you haven't come when we've we've needed <laughs> yeah. you. Uh, it's like uh, that could be an interesting thing, interesting thing of like Eve being the one that's trying to to make superhearing an actual like real life good thing, but that never feels like the focus of the story or like where Kirkman wants to to take it. And I think that's also part of right. why Eve never gets the yeah i mean like yeah i wish like that's an easy way you could make even more central and like thematically relevant character and like kirkman never actually goes there i think i think they're kind of going there for the show at least it feels like the show takes more time with that um Mm -hmm. but yeah in, in the comic it's like you have a whole opportunity of like 
her reflecting on Mark in interesting ways and like being able to have more more sense of place and like they they don't go there. Yeah, it's an opportunity for sure. I, Eve's development is is lacking, um, and I'm curious how much more of that there might be. I, Bradley, I'm curious. You know, we've talked about this. We've kind of beaten around it. I think it's one thing that comes up all the time. One thing that I have found challenging about defending Invincible is it takes so many issues to kind of uh, to get to some of the best stuff, and and a lot of my memory of it is like is definitely ba- is the back half. But it's like in any other circumstance, you know, I would not tell somebody like, "Oh, you've got to read X Men." It takes seventy five <laughs> issues. But then, like, like that's and then that Chris feels, Claremont so, shows up, and it gets so good. But yeah, you gotta it's like, read. You gotta, it's all like, that. <laughs> yeah, you would say just jump in. I'm curious, what are your takes on like, Brad? I mean, you read it month to month, so maybe it felt totally different to you. Like, what are your takes on on the length of it, and and it as like this really sort of um, you know years in the making enterprise and the value of that. I was heartbroken when it ended. I I, I took a photo of me taking the last issue. I was at a Korean cafe and I, I, I had a red bean donut and the last issue and I took a photo of it. I was like, yeah, this is it. Once this is done, Invincible's done. And <laughs> I, I did not want to read that issue. It took so long delaying yeah. the reading of that issue. And then as I was reading it, I was like, I'm going to look at every centimeter of this comic until I'm done. I'm going to take an hour to read this single issue. And now yeah, every time um, you eat a, a red bean donut, it's like Proust's In Search of Lost Time. Like You just find yourself like, rushed back to this moment. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. But I, when we do get red bean donuts, I do think about you know taking that hour in that cafe to read that comic. It's That is yeah. true. Um, I like the, you know, going to the... I kind of just want to like talk a little bit about the premise of this podcast and how fascinating it is and how excited I am to listen to the rest of the episodes as they come out (laughs) because you have, you know, Dave is like, this is the greatest. And Zach's like, I don't know. And you're both kind of like building your case. This is like comic book court for Invincible. (laughs) It's such a weird place to put yourself as a reader. Like, can can this podcast end with either of you on different sides? Like, are you open to going like, Dave, this comic is terrible. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, and But I think using the word defending is really interesting because there are things in this book where I go on reread. I cannot recommend yeah, this to everybody. Yeah, that is indefensible, yes. You know? There, this, there are seriously problematic things within this series Mm-hmm. At the same time, that's not that different than Chris Claremont's X-Men or any other comic book that went on for a long time and came from a particular point of view. Like, yeah. I, I think uh, a lot of Invincible like was Kirkman just kind of figuring it out. And I think that... And failing. And failing. And I, and I, and I do find myself, you know, like, like questioning, like, you know, like... Can I stand by a book that actually offends, like actually offends me, like actively offends me and, and hurts my feelings? And um, and like to me, I go like, oh, well, like I'm lucky because I have not put myself in the place of defending, yeah. of defending Invincible. <laughs> and, and and more like I, I find myself in the place of like, what can I get out of Invincible? 
like if I if I mm. if I throw myself like I like if I throw myself into this story fully and try to look for what it's trying like what what it says to me then like that reading is like worthwhile to like mm-hmm. um you know I always go into stories going like what is the life lesson of this book and I think one of the beautiful moments is an observation actually made by Oliver after Eve has rebuilt herself and her parts are not like her powers are not working correctly and Oliver in his childlike wisdom goes like you know what if I were to rebuild myself, I wouldn't trust myself to do that. I, I would probably make some mistakes. And like, I really feel like um, when Kirkman was writing this book, he was rebuilding himself as a creative, but also like as a comic book fan. Like as a comic book yeah. fan, what can I stand by? What offends me? What do I think comics should actually be talking about and saying? And it's not perfect. But like, like, like you said, there is just this like beauty in the big swing, and, and um, I really admire him for really trying something with this book. And I and I and I yeah. fi- find even with my problems with it, I personally do get a lot out of it. Yeah, uh, I'm glad you okay. mentioned Oliver because I think we totally brushed over him. That I think that is actually one yeah. of the core uh, ideas in this comic, or like relationships in this comic, that's really working. Um, I think Mark and Oliver together. I think like the push pull, the tension of like Oliver going down a path, like like Oliver almost seems like is the uh, like the beta test for where we're gonna see Mark potentially go, right? Because you mm. feel the threat of Oliver's like moral compass, you know, being totally thrown off, and the threat both for the world and for Oliver, like his own soul, right? You want him to find the right path. So like what I actually was saying before about like Mark, where I'm like, you know. I don't have a strong, like, personal investment in, like, Mark, you gotta figure this out. Like, I do have that for Oliver for some reason. Maybe it's just because he's a kid. He feels more innocent. He feels less annoyingly 20 years old, I guess, like how Mark can sometimes. So, like, there's something... Is he the character you're rooting for the most, would you say? Yeah, 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 for sure. I I think that's definitely true. Um, Like, I'm rooting for Dinosaurus, probably. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's fair. But, yeah, Yeah. there's, there's a level, like, and now that, you know, I feel like he's he's finding like a little bit of give in like Oliver was so black and white in his thinking uh the last batch that we mm-hmm. read and I think like mm-hmm. he's starting to grow up a little bit and him and Mark are like giving a little room to each other um I think like there's there's an interesting gray area happening with the two of them although he does get socked by conquest and get all his teeth knocked out and the next mm-hmm. time we see him he's just got teeth again that's one of my most hated tropes in comic book. One but piece that's does his genetics. Oh, is that? That's, did they? He's did they? The bug, he's the bug. Did guy. they address it? I kind of thought that. I was like, well, maybe he just, just grows and heals. No, they fast, don't address yeah. it. But that's what, how I explain. Of course, it. yeah. I mean, One Piece does this all the time. I, it's always one of my like. I always roll my eyes at that. Someone Luffy gets punched in the face and all his teeth go flying, and then you know he's got teeth again. Um, my favorite is like like the TV trope of like they're in a horrible accident yeah. and they show up and they have like like a little scratch on their cheek. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like like one yeah. little scratch to show. Okay. All right. Did we miss anything? I feel like this was this was I, thorough. I have one more. Can you believe it? I have one more thing that I want to say. <laughs> That's your <laughs> yeah. First, I want to say, like, Charlotte, I really admire you for... Thank you. Um, be, ha- ...having the security to be in this nebulous place with this comic. Yeah. Especially with two people who, who have seemingly dug themselves in. <laughs> and, and, yep. I, and I just want to say, like... 
to both Dave and Zach, like, don't think of you changing your opinion on this comic as like a moral failing, because mm. we have to think about like, like Mark's conversation with art and Mark going like, you know, like, I, like, I can't tell if I'm a good person or not. I can't tell if I'm supposed to kill or not kill. And, and art says like, by you just questioning it, it means that you're a good person. And mm. I think that like, by just taking the time to challenge and question your opinions, shows that you are a good and sol and solid comic book fan and i think that it's your obligation to constantly go back and and challenge your previous opinions and then when you change your mind celebrate yourself celebrate your growth like you know we like um invincible now is a fixed point right and and the story is on paper it's like it's not going not going to change and we can use that that fixed points to think about ourselves and measure how far we've come, you know? Like, you know, I read this story one time and I felt one thing and then I read it again and I felt another thing and I, I read it again and I felt another thing and that's not the story changing, that's me changing and growth is yeah. like a, this beautiful thing. I, 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 love, I that. love that idea, but I also, you know, I cherish works that I feel <clears throat> like bring that value to me for like a, a changing experience over the, the course of my life, right? There are right. so many comics, you know, comics or right. books or films that I'll read or engage with that like, I'm like this, you know, every 10 years when I re-engage with this, like it's going to speak to me in a totally different level. Invincible, I don't like, because you're saying that and I, I get what you're saying. I, I appreciate that worldview, but like there are things, I, I mean, you know, this is probably the answer to this is just totally subjective taste where like, a superhero comic about superhero comics largely is not something where I'm just like, I have to, you know, I have to see how my relationship with this evolved. It, also, to be clear, this is my first time reading this, so I don't have preconceived yeah, sure. notions about this. It, sure. It's just kind of baked into the concept of the show to be stupid that we're <laughs> on either side of this. Um, so this is my first initial reaction to the book, you know? If I read these comics tomorrow, the next batch, and I'm like, these are incredible, I'm happy to say these are incredible. Like... I love to gush about a comic, you know, like being effusively excited about a comic is my favorite thing to do on this podcast. Um, so, you know, it, it sometimes just takes me a little more to to get there than than other people. Um, yeah, no, Zach. Twenty percent like at all times, just completely full of shit. And I will take pack everything I say in a second. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It's like, no, you know, it's, it's a good, you know. I, I, I like that I, sentiment a lot. Yeah, I it's definitely, definitely something I definitely, that I'm. I mean, I'm experiencing that more than you are, Zach. I think for sure. Yeah. Um. The the experience of I'm in a different place than I was when I read this originally. It I mean, says the a lot about the world is in a different place, and superhero comics are in a different place. Sure. Right? That, I sure. think that everything sure has evolved. Yeah. Um. But you know, it's it's definitely like I am not. This I I my life has changed so much in the fifteen years or whatever since I read this the first time or the decade since it concluded. Um, I cannot even possibly view it with the same eyes and the same lens. Uh, so that is that is definitely happening. Um, that said, I will give no ground. I will not. I will not concede an inch. <laughs> I mean, I think of course, there's no, no I, with the show because it feels like the show is also a lot. Kirkman doing the same thing, looking at what he wrote ten years ago and being like. Mm. Yeah, I, that's I'm different. I have a different relationship with that, and I'm getting a, a chance of doing it all over again, 
which is which is interesting. And obviously, he's not doing the show alone, and it's not even like a small creative team like it is with the with the comic. It's like it's just it's not just yeah. him. Um, but I feel like there is part of it. And I, I mean, feel he's like tw- he's, he's twenty three when. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. He's 23 when he starts, and he's 38 when he yeah. finishes yeah, this. Yeah. Like those are two very different points in your life. Of course, right? Like there's going to be you know significant change. I feel like we've seen it already. Like Dave, you did say, you know, the only thing I had read of Invincible was the first whatever 30 issues, maybe. Um, That's what you had read. Yeah, before we had start yeah. started this, and you know, and I, you know, was bringing a lot of like the thing about Invincible. Is that he's got a evil dad, <laughs> you know? Right. Like that's right. the core of this comic, and you know. And you were like, no, no, wait, like it evolves, it changes, and it has, you know. And I think it has improved, and it has built beyond the one big twist and subversion that it initially, you know, felt like the comic was really framed around. As good as that twist is, um, I do like I, you bringing that up. Makes me think too. It is kind of like I think the thing I really like about Invincible. It is often reflective of what I would like to see more from big two superhero comics in wanting them to succeed and in wanting them to do well. I would love to see creative visions get the chance Mm -hmm. to reflect back (laughs) on their lengthy ongoing that had a, my dad is evil moment that everybody talks about. And then like 60 issues later to get that Claremont experience of like, no, now he's friends with Alan Neely. Well, can (laughs) can we actually, can we bring that up really briefly? I am not sold on that at all, and it's going to have to do some heavy yeah, lifting very to get me to get me to buy that Nolan can like redeem himself. Alan or be is rude. the friendliest dude, and I believe he could become friends with anyone. I have no uh, doubts about that, yeah. no skepticism I'm, whatsoever. <laughs> I also reserve the right to uh, to think that that could be a twist that, that one of them could be conning the other. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean we're we're right at the beginning of that, but he just showed up back on Earth, and I'm like, he's gonna have to he's gonna have to work hard for me to buy Nolan's like return. Here. Yeah, it should be painful. That's the that's what I'm mostly thinking. It should be painful. It should be very painful. And he's often yeah. not. He doesn't lean into that. He kind of brushes over some of that stuff. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Brad and Lisa, thank you so much for joining yeah, us today. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate yeah. you having you here. Yeah. This was this was awesome. Um, Very this nice to have great some. about having an invincible army that I could rely on <laughs> uh, to to truly the angst from levy of this podcast, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that. The evil mastermind. Uh, seriously, this was so fun. Where should people look for you? Uh, you can just uh, look up Comic Book Couples Counseling on any of your favorite podcast apps. Of course, you could also go to the website, comicbookcouplescounseling.com, and uh, follow us on all social medias. I think all social medias <laughs> at CBCC Podcast. <laughs> What are you what are you working on now? What are your what kind of episodes are you So in? we're in the middle of a counseling session with Scott Summers and Emma Frost. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> for some reason I'm just like they they must all like that has to be half your episodes, right? Is Scott <laughs> Scott Summers has to be in the center of We do go back to the Scott Summers well periodically. Yeah. We yeah. try we try not to <laughs> we try not to um, stir up the X-Men, but we, it could be an X-Men. It's it's moment. a rich vein. It's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We started with yeah. Scott Summers. We'll probably end with Scott Summers. Uh, we also have a series of really interesting uh, in-depth creator conversations coming up. We're going to do a, a long conversation with Tom King about Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. Uh, oh, a full nice. deep dive into that book's thematics. Uh, we're doing a similar conversation with Tyler Crook about the Lonesome Hunters and uh, a few more surprises on the horizon. And if I'm not mistaken, Tom King has called you the best 
couple in comics. Is that right? Yeah, he may have been buttering our bread, but it is in all bios on social media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is great. Yep. He nice. wrote it in one of the books that we had signed, and I was like, well, that's press now. It's signed. It's like a legal document. That's incredible. That's amazing. I, I would, be, I would I never stop. We, we heard uh, that Grant Morrison just listened to our uh, extra issues podcast they didn't even say like that they liked it they just said that they had listened to it and i've been riding that high for <laughs> six yeah. months so yeah, absolutely. yeah. <laughs> amazing yeah brad lisa it has been uh it has been a pleasure thank you so much um and yeah, we will thank be you. back with more convincible maybe another zach charlotte do i promise another surprise i'm gonna do it I'm gonna say we're gonna have another surprise next time. Wow, we're halfway yeah, through. Yeah. By the way, we're uh, we're halfway exactly we did at the it. halfway point. Yeah, we're we're a good. I I was you know there, I had moments where I was like, are we gonna make it to eight? We're gonna make it. We're this was a good this. idea, getting some fresh fresh opinions and you know. Fresh I thought viewpoints. I thought it might yeah, be very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely awesome. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye.